Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. And in the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. And Ian. And Nikki. And tonight we have Argentina to talk about. Why? I hadn't really thought about them for a while, but this week I keep hearing about them because apparently a libertarian won some kind of a primary down there. And Ian's got that story for us. We also have a mother kind of lost at sea, or at least stranded. Stranded is probably the better word for that. Because they know where she is. But the government isn't letting her get back on land with her baby. Mm. Um, And we have a newspaper. I think it's in Kansas. that A a newspaper company that got raided by their local police station. And basically here at Free Talk Live, we bring up current uh, news events and talk about them with the slant of we all believe in liberty and living um, as free as you can. And that's what we're here for tonight. So, Ian, do you want to get into the story about the Argentina man? Yeah, there's been a lot of buzz about their libertarian presidential candidate down there in Argentina. And, of course, if you've been, I don't know, somewhat tuned into international news, you know that Argentina is once again going through a bout of terrible inflation of their money supply. I believe I heard that it was like over 100% in a year Wow! Uh, inflation. Now, you know, we've seen U- U.S. numbers, which we know are manipulated. Yeah, right. of course. We know the U.S. Uh, government thugs, they try to make lower numbers than they're actually doing as far as inflation. So the they, official they numbers... Yeah, they lie. Uh, the official numbers here have been between, you know, 5 and 9% in the last roughly year. In Argentina, it's 100% or somewhere in that range. And this isn't the first time the Argentinian people have had to deal with a, a banking crisis or Even a central bank crisis. people in America can feel inflation, like people are saying groceries cost more, you can see it. Imagine oh, yeah. what 10 times the inflation would feel like. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I yeah. mean, and I was talking about this with my dad the other day, because even just like simple like medical equipment that I order for my business, for example... Mm-hmm. Some stuff will be $20 more. And he was saying the same thing. He said I used like a box of screws as an example, but he was like a, you know, a bulk pack that would cost him $80 now costs him $120. He's in construction. So that's, yeah. So that's a huge increase. It is. You know, in just a few months. Yeah. It's hitting everywhere. uh, And that's just, that's the result of government printing money. That's what inflation is. It's not what they tell you in the in the uh, official newspapers or Fox News or CNN or whatever, where they tell you that it's the prices going up, that's actually a symptom of inflation. The cause of the prices going up tends to be the government just printing out, in this case, trillions of dollars that were sent to mega businesses. And of course, you got maybe a $1,400 check at some point. A lot of people got that couple check. couple $600 yeah, ones. Yeah, there was another one here and there, right? And uh, But the bulk of that money went to mega corporations yeah. and, you know, the military industrial complex and the pharmaceutical industrial complex and you know uh, pharma bros and all that Uh, so argentina though things are much much worse down there and what's really i think interesting about this story is it goes to show that maybe libertarians actually have a chance if economic conditions get so bad like right now in the united states libertarians cannot get more than one to two percent in any given three-way race between them, the Republicans, and the, the Democrats. And they've been just stuck in that rut for as long as I've been around, uh, which is, of course, why a lot of us migrated here to New Hampshire so we could focus our efforts in one place yeah. and hopefully actually accomplish something. But in Argentina, they've accomplished a tremendous political victory over the weekend. Now, it's just the presidential primary, mind you. So this guy has not been elected president. I mean, that's still huge, though. But it is that, pretty huge. you know, hasn't happened, I mean, anywhere else, really? Not that I'm aware of. No. no. I, I guess it just w- works differently than it does in America, because every year yes, a libertarian gets a primary because they're their own party. So what does this really mean? Like, Yeah, you, that's a great question. And they do actually get into it here in the story from the AP, which I will get into. Uh, and uh, seeing different stories about this over the last few days, because this has been in social media quite a bit, obviously libertarians very excited about this, um, that uh, there's a lot of press like this headline that calls him, quote unquote, far right. Wow. Of course. Even though apparently he self-describes as a so-called anarcho-capitalist. And 
listen, I don't know much about this man. I'm excited to learn more tonight on the show. Mm-hmm. But from what I've seen, I haven't seen anything like, oh, he be- he's a racist or anything else you usually associate with far right. Mm-hmm. I've seen that he believes in open borders. Oh, does he? Okay. Uh, I, I saw someone say that. Yeah, I would hope so. Um, I don't know if he speaks English. I haven't seen any English uh, interviews with him yet, but usually the clips are of him speaking Spanish. He's an uh, interesting looking man. He looks a lot like one of the old Doctor Who characters from back in the day. He's he also kind of looks like um, Austin Powers. He's got this wild hairstyle. And in fact, there was uh, a headline that I saw at the Drudge Report today about him. And I when I clicked on the story, the Wall Street Journal literally wrote an entire story about his hair. The Argentine peso apparently plunged on Monday after shaggy-haired 52-year-old anti-establishment candidate who admires former President Donald Trump. Okay, that's one president uh, or one uh, strike against him. Well, they say that, but it could just be that he said something totally innocuous. Came first in primary elections that will help determine the country's next president. Javier Milei rocked Argentina's political establishment Sunday by receiving the biggest share of primary votes for presidential candidates in the October general election to determine who leads a nation battered by economic woes. Malay wants to replace the peso with the dollar. That's another kind of another strike against him. But I can understand the perspective, meaning that this guy actually is for the abolishing of the Argentinian central bank. He says it should be abolished. And that's a pretty hardcore, you know, economic freedom position. Replacing it with the dollar is the lesser evil in this particular case. It's not exactly a a pure free market uh, perspective. But that said, that particular move has done very well for the South American and Central American countries who have done that. So, for instance, in El Salvador, where they made headlines in September of 2021 for adopting Bitcoin as a second legal tender alongside the U.S. dollar, which Argentina could certainly follow in their footsteps, uh, that was a huge move. And they were able to do that because... El Salvador has no central bank anymore. They did at one point in the past. They had a peso, if I recall correctly. And they got rid of that at some point, and they went to the dollar. And that has been good because even though the dollar is evil, and even though the dollar is created by the world's worst central bank, at this point in time, it's not suffering from hyperinflation. So jumping off of something that is inflating at 100% a year to something that might be inflating at 10% a year, it's bad, but it's not you know instant suicide. Well, people yeah. in the Central Bank of Argentina might lose their jobs. Good. You can't ever just look at somebody, oh, well, they voted for this guy. They must have been angry. That is a complete extrapolation from no information whatsoever. But if you do actually do uh, an actual exit poll and you ask people, who did you vote for and why did you vote for them? Then you can actually find out the uh, the reasons. And I bet you it will turn out the reasons are quite varied. There's a large range of reasons why people make these choices. Some people vote because they hated the other guy. And the, 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 the person they chose was simply the lesser of two evils. And maybe some people are voting out of anger or whatever. But a lot but, of people obviously went and talked to him, so they... Probably like what he had to say. I think so. and But here, apparently the Argentinian bank didn't like the fact that people voted for him because according to this uh, story here, Argentina's government devalued the local currency by 20% on Monday. So it's almost as though the central bank threw a hissy fit. And said, oh, well, we're just going to go ahead and print up another, you know, $100 yeah. billion dollars or whatever 20% Seems so excited because it's like, wouldn't that make him look more correct? Absolutely. I would think so. Yeah, I think that um, would not work in their favor. Right. We want change now. Like, look what they're doing. Well, I mean, it could just be that they are trying to burn as much of the uh, value out of this thing as possible because... What happens when inflation occurs, when they print a bunch of money out, is they give it to their buddies. So it goes to you know whoever's politically connected. They get the money first. 
And so by the when they get that the money, it's not it hasn't really devalued yet because it hasn't kind of filtered down all mm-hmm. the way into the economy. So they benefit from that that sort of free money in that case. But as it starts being spent, as they pay their employees and the employees go out and spend it and you know all that, that's when the prices start to go up because well what's happening economically is you have a larger amount of money that is quote chasing the same amount of goods. So Production hasn't increased tra- tra- dramatically in the time between they hit the print button yep. and when the print, you know, the money got printed out. So prices go up, and uh, so what that actually is doing is it's literally taking value out of the pockets of anyone who has the Argentinian peso, or in our case, the U.S. dollar. If you have any savings, whatever's in your wallet, whatever's in your bank account, if you got something stashed under your mattress, whatever. Your savings is, if it's savings that you have in dollars, or in this case in pesos, when they print more of that money out, you have the same amount of money, but it doesn't buy as much. Your standard of living is going down. You can't get the same amount of food for $100 mm-hmm. at the grocery store as you used to, if you and so on. had enough money under your mattress to buy a house, then once they print 20% of the money supply ever printed, is that what you said? They said that it fell 20% devalued in value or it devalued. So, I mean, you could look well, at that that way. You're going to you only be able to afford a 20% less nice house. Yeah, good chance of that. And so it's like, are they just trying to extract as much value out of this currency as possible before it all comes to an end? Now, that's a little presumptive, suggesting that this guy actually has a chance to win the election when it uh, actually happens. So, what does that mean? What does it mean to win the primary? Well, we get into that here shortly. So Argentina apparently is one of those countries where you are required by law to participate in the election. Really? Wow. I did not know that was a thing anywhere. I think Australia is another one. Oh, wow. Really? I'm not surprised about Australia because no. Australia is kind of strange with I some don't other know. things yeah, they I do. I don't know what the punishment is if you don't, because apparently only 69% of the country's 35 million voters actually bothered to show up yeah. to the required quote-unquote election. Wow. Like, what if you're sick, or what if you're elderly and bedridden or something? There's I mean, probably, do they... Yeah. Well, also, like, do they make it easy for, like, can you do it online? Like, what are the types of... What if you just hadn't had time because you're, like, a construction worker and you just haven't had time? What you if don't I just don't want to? better than the next well, person? Well, usually the, the companies are required to give you time off in cases no, like that. No, not to go vote. I mean, like, you haven't learned about any of the candidates, so you don't know which one you want to vote for. It seems like they don't care about that. They just want you to vote. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, the responsible thing to do with, like, if you don't know anything about either of the candidates and maybe you don't care is to not vote. Right. <laughs> Well, in this case, uh, 31% didn't vote, and so obviously the punishment may not must not be that severe. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, they would be putting 31% of their population in, uh, in jail, which you can't do. When I went to go vote for Trump in 2020, I didn't know that I was going to be voting for a bunch of other people at the same time. So I was just standing there like, oh, I should have looked these people up or something. And I just chose the names I liked the most. So the story from the AP gets into a little more detail, like what does it mean when we say he won the primary? Because here in the U.S., when you quote unquote win a primary, it's not necessarily particularly It's big just within news. your own party. Yeah. So your party's obviously going to choose someone to run. Yeah. I mean, Aria Demetso, our co-host, who's sadly in, in prison right now for selling Bitcoin without government permission, uh, at, uh, you can go to the Crypto6.com if you want to learn more about or that. ariademezzo.com. ariademezzo.com. Yep, you can contact her in, in prison there. Um, but uh, she won a primary in the Republican primary here for the uh, the sheriff's seat. But she was only against a write-in candidate. And although that write-in candidate was their usual major candidate that they run, he screwed up and didn't file in time or whatever. So he had to do a write-in campaign, and she won. And there was actually all this publicity and hubbub over it. But she lost the general election to the incumbent candidate anyway. So what is this so noteworthy for? Well, according to the story, uh, after doing much better than expected, the upstart candidate who gained notoriety and a rock star-like following by angrily ranting against the political caste, in his words, is now a real contender for the presidency. And uh, they say here the major parties 
had contested races to be its presidential candidate. Malay's race was uncontested and got a few more points than the candidates of the parties that have dominated Argentine politics. With around 97% of polling locations reporting, Malay had around 30% of the total vote. So apparently in Argentina, the people voting in the primary are all just voting in the same election. So all of the candidates, it sound like, yeah. are maybe in the same... I don't know. So that's kind of what I'm... Ex- yeah, so it's not like here where there's the Democratic primary and then the you know Republican primary. It doesn't primary. seem like that. Seems like it makes more sense. For, I never really understood like why there are these parties and why they get to have this their own little things i don't know the candidates in the main opposition coalition the united for change were at 28 percent and the current governing coalition united or sorry union for the homeland had 27 percent so uh union for the homeland sounds bad it they all sound pretty bad but uh, 30 percent for malay 28 percent for the opposition quote-unquote to the current power structure and then 27%. So the major parties together, of course, got more than Malay did. But individually, he scored higher than any of the major party candidates. And I'm guessing wow. those were the, the combined totals of mm-hmm. the other candidates in the other parties. In order to win the vote, the real one that happens two months from now, Malay would have to increase his share of the nation's votes by 15%. A high hurdle, even in a nation where voters tend to favor candidates that they see as winners. If one candidate doesn't receive 45% of the vote, they would need 40% and a 10-point lead over the second-place candidate. Otherwise, the race will go to a November runoff between the top two. So he's still got some work ahead of him here. That's an interesting... That, see, it all sounds, other than requiring people to vote, it all sounds like a better system in the United States. Like, any person is just running. It, it doesn't mean, oh, this group of people is part of this set of ideas, and so only one of them gets to run. No, everybody's just running, and then... Well, well, I don't know who gets knocked out uh, after this primary. I presume that the major parties will only be fielding one candidate in yeah, the so, end of this. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. Whoever so it's just one per party. Yeah, yeah based on whoever got guess. the most. Yeah, but still, it's like the entire country is voting for all these people instead of, well, you get to vote for whichever one the Democrats eventually pick. We're yeah. presuming. That's I mean, what it sounds know. like. It's what it sounds like. And, and then the other thing is, well, you can't just win if you didn't get at least 45% of the vote. Like in, in America, way less than 45% of the entire country votes for the actual president who wins. Yeah. And I will That's say true. there is a huge emphasis, at least in the United States, on party. So mm-hmm. many people, they just will vote. Okay. Democrat, Democrat, Democrat. Like it doesn't matter who it is. It's just like I always vote Democrat. So like that's what I'm going to vote for. And a lot of people... I, w- I would say most Americans kind of fall into that category where they just yep. blindly vote per party and they don't really, they're not voting for the person, they're voting for the party. Yep. Right. And the fact that so many people in Argentina have seen it to where they can actually vote away from the two parties yeah. and vote for this other guy whose party, I presume, has never done anything more than win a few representative seats or something like that, is pretty noteworthy. In celebrating at his election headquarters, Malay vowed to, quote, bring an end to the parasitic, corrupt, and useless political caste that exists in this country. He said, today we took the first step toward the reconstruction of Argentina. A different Argentina is impossible with the same people as always. People tend to want to believe, and it's a... It's a wrong tendency that mankind tends to have, which is this this one great man will save yeah. us all, whether it be the people who think Trump is the the uh, you know the, the son of God and he's here to save us from the evil government or that they think Biden's going to get in and completely yeah. change things. I mean, I think those people just don't understand how politics work. No, like that's completely that's ignorant. the big issue. It's like in Napoleon Dynamite when they're having a high school um, election summer weekly, I think her name is. She says, "I'm gonna put, um, I'm gonna put lip glosses, lip gloss dispensers in all the girls' bathrooms." And it's like I always thought, even back then, I was like, "Would the principals let her do that?" 
No, probably. she could no, probably just say it just and get people to vote for her. Right? Yeah. It's just a go. But, it's just a promise it's from the a politician. Same thing, right? Yeah. Like politicians will do that. Oh, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and then they get into office and they don't do it, and people call them out on it, and they're like, "Oh well, I'm trying my best. I don't have the power to do any of that." Okay, well yeah. then, why did you say that you did? Mm-mm. Yeah, just to get elected. She also says about Pedro running. It's a guy from Mexico that uh, goes to their school now. She says, "Who wants to eat chimichangas every day for lunch then <laughs> next year? Not me." And I doubt that he would have the power to do that anyway. So Spike Cohen, who is a uh, libertarian activist, he was actually their vice presidential candidate in 2020, uh, fairly well-known libertarian activist in the libertarian circles. He commented uh, in regards to Javier Malay's success, and he made a really great point because there's a lot of people out there. I'm going to see if I can pull up the exact statement that he made. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who think that libertarians should be toning it down. We need to have a big tent. We need to make sure that we don't upset anybody with our viewpoints. No, we should tone it up. <laughs> right. And so this is the point that, that he essentially made was that, you know, he this guy has a very strong platform, apparently, of slashing the, the government back, ending the central bank. Uh, legalizing organ selling, right? So, like, these are pretty serious. Wait, so is positions. that something he's already? Oh no, that's just one of his positions, right? He didn't like put a bill forward. No, do I don't that? know. I don't no, know okay. about that. I mean, I can't say what he did as a as a congressman, but you know, these are pretty uh, serious positions. And as Spike Cohen pointed out, look, there's all these libertarian strategists who say we have to be careful not to be too bold in our messaging. It will scare off voters. And then you have this guy in Argentina who's being very bold with his libertarian messaging. And and we heard from one of the 26-year-old people that were supporting him saying he's not afraid of freedom. He's not afraid of the things uh, that can happen. And, of course, that is what the government wants people to do is to Mm -hmm. be afraid. They want you to live in a state of fear. So they will be the ones who will save you from whatever the, the boogeyman of the moment is. Are you there, Shag? Uh, yes. Can okay. you hear me? Yep, we can hear you. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I just uh, tuned in a little bit ago. I missed the story about the guy who described himself as an anarcho-capitalist being called a right-winger. Yeah. And I just uh, wanted to say I've talked to a lot of people who consider themselves socialists, and they basically believe that anybody uh, – this is something I've noticed a lot, that a lot of these people that are self-described socialists, they think that anyone, anyone who's not a socialist is a fascist. So <laughs> right. if you're if you're basically not like full blown socialist, you're a fascist. And it's just ridiculous. And it's scary that, you know, government schools are totally bringing up a new generation. I mean, this has been going on for decades, but this the younger generation now is just they're they're totally indoctrinating them to become just absolutely in love with big government, to trust the government always. You know, and I also wanted to comment on, you know, you're talking about the toilet in the for a hundred people in a cell, mm. and it's just—I'm preaching to the choir in this one, but it's insane how the government twists words like Department of Corrections. Like, yeah, that's going to correct somebody. It's going to help help rehabilitate somebody. Especially most of those people probably don't even belong in a cage. No, oh, yeah. You know, and then you got like the Department of Justice, the Department of Defense. I mean, what kind of defense? It's it's Department of Aggression. Offense. Yeah, you know, it's just, aggression. It's total insanity. So. Just some things that I was thinking. At least according to the Business Insider poll that they conducted, and it looks like this was 2019. So at this point, it's a few years old. Uh, but they did ask of the 1,800 people between 13 and 21, how do you get your information about what's going on in the world? 59% of them said social media. Yeah. Uh, 50% surprisingly still said television. 36% hear it from friends, which is kind of like social media, right? Like, yeah. who are you look, looking at mouth, there? Word of mouth, I guess, yeah. Uh, online news outlets, 31%, 29% from their parents, and 21% radio, 10% newspaper, and a whole wow. other 9% say they avoid the news. But uh, when you actually dr- uh, dive down into the issues, there's almost universal agreement on Gen Z on legal weed and climate change. So that does mm-hmm. lead to what our caller was saying, where maybe the the shoving of these things down these kids' throats in government schools, the propaganda, yeah. for instance, about so-called climate change, 
has been the fear mongering has been so constant for them in the last 20 years of their life or whatever that they fully have bought into this belief that the earth is going to kill us all and you know we, we need the government to do something about it yeah so. i think in regards to climate change in a lot of schools they are teaching it as absolute fact and some of what they are presenting to them yeah absolutely is real data and real facts um, but as we know, you can skew things and you can present things in many different ways to achieve different results. According to so. the survey they conducted when they spoke with people who identified themselves as Republican within Gen Z, it said here that the Gen Z Republicans are much more likely than Republicans in older generations to say government should do more to solve problems. And they're less likely to attribute the Earth's warming temperatures to natural patterns as opposed to human activity. So uh, only 18 percent of Gen Zers who identified as Republicans said they believe the Earth is warming because of natural patterns compared to 30 percent of millennials, 36 percent of Gen Z. I think they mean Gen X. And 42% of baby boomer Republicans. So hmm. a lot more Gen Zers are buying the propaganda about Even this. Even when I was in elementary school and middle school, they talk, I just don't really remember it much in high school. But I know in elementary and middle school that they just taught us global warming like it was fact. Yeah. I mean, I remember this and this was when I was much younger. Um, they taught us about the Ice Age. Mm. Hmm. So one would assume if there was an Ice Age... That means that our Earth's climate is changing. It's not like what we see today, you know, within the past like few hundred years. This isn't the, how it's always the, been. Exactly. Like this isn't how it's always been. And this isn't how it's always going to be. Um, so it one would assume that the weather patterns changing is because of natural causes. And listen, I'm sure, you know, some of the, the man, you know, caused things are can also, you know, disrupt the natural balance of things, I'm sure. Maybe. But I don't know. I just don't think it's enough to be like, the government has to get involved and we have to do all of these things. And I, I think my main issue with, it's not whether climate change is real or not or whatever. My main issue with it is all of the government interventions are actually making things worse. Of course. Um, at the very least, they are not good for the environment. And so thing- if we're talking about pollution and not, you know constantly you know being exposed to all of these toxins then i mean they're not doing a very good job that's what i was gonna say um and well not that but basically i I think that this whole talk about oh the earth may go up two degrees on average blah 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 this stuff that doesn't really matter and is also just um you know hypothetical or or you know it's a bunch of scientists saying like i think this might happen and then 50 years from now it hasn't happened yeah um well i think that it kind of takes away when you google like if you're somebody who's like i'm kind of interested in that you google like what should i be concerned with environmentally you're not going to get oh they're putting glyphosate in the food supply you're not going to get uh actually important stuff like you know plastics everywhere as as often Like, that's the stuff that I'm concerned about. Right. Well, were, you know? were we on the show together, Bonnie, when we read the old quotes from the 1970s? Yeah, yeah. we all three were. When, yeah, when Earth Day was getting started, mm-hmm. and these people were saying, we're coming into a new ice age. They're going to be mass starvation on the planet. Billions of people are going to die. Three-fourths of the like, planet will die in All by, years. like, the year 2000. Yeah. And, and then here we happened. are, and not a single one of those things happened. And it was so interesting because it's like, first it's the Ice Age. No, no, now now it's global warming. Right. And now it's, it's like climate change. The opposite. It's like they're they're just taking a dart and throwing it and you know, is, at a list are, of different things they could say. It's these like, are what? the same. I mean, it's 50 years ago, but these are so not the exact same people, but these are the quote unquote experts yeah. of their time. Mm-hmm. And the same quote experts are doing the same doom and gloom uh, show yeah. just with a different set of circumstances. That's yeah. all. And, and there's a reason for it. I mean, there it's the, fear, like yeah, we were talking like, about earlier. Yeah. We have Dave Ridley on the phone. Dave, what's on your mind? Hey, well, for once, I kind of have to call in and talk about myself. All right, <laughs> Dave, go ahead. <laughs> I just wanted to. Uh, I, I received some requests. I kind of shut down the Ridley report about 18 months ago. Hmm. Uh, you know, where I go and ambush interview politicians around New Hampshire with my camera. Yeah. Uh, but mostly because of YouTube deplatforming. Uh, but I've received a lot of requests to to restart it. Uh, YouTube or no YouTube, hits or no hits. 
Uh, and so I'm doing that. I have restarted Yay. it. Yay. And uh, thank you to Ian, of all people, after all he's been through, for being the first person to come forward and, and volunteer to advertise on this newly reformed uh, project. Sure. Happy to help. Yeah. So I should be, <clears throat> and, uh, weather permitting and schedule permitting, I, I hope to be uh, at King City Hall and uh, at some uh, government me- at some government meetings with my camera on even the better. 22nd or so. <laughs> nice. I, um, I said even better. You're going to target Keen first, which awesome. you know warms my heart. So are you? Well, it's, it's logistics. <laughs> but, but. Are you going to be posting to Odyssey and YouTube still? He's off YouTube. <laughs> Not YouTube. Uh, oh. It'll be probably Odyssey and BitChute. Now I'm I'm always keeping my ears to the ground. What other options might be out there? I haven't found anything else. Except for uh, possibly Freedom of Phoenix, they have a, a platform you can use. Hmm. So I'll probably register wow. that and give it a try. Um, yeah, anyway. I'm glad that you made this decision, Ridley, because uh, you're a very influential activist who has been in New Hampshire from the very beginning. You're one of the earliest movers. You have such a long history of doing, you know, not just activism, but recording activism and being there, um, sometimes being the only person in a given place where some sort of activism is happening. And it's like, if, if the activism happens and no one gets a photograph or no one gets video, then did it really happen? Uh, yeah, it probably did, but we can't prove it. We can't show it to other people. We can't get people excited. So having having one more guy with a camera out there, I think, is uh, is really important. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone wants to advertise on this reformed uh, channel project whatever you want to call it just uh just email me at ridley report at live.com ridley report at live.com nice ridley report at live.com thank you so much ridley correct i really appreciate a windstorm there yep sounds like you're in a wind tunnel sorry Sorry. (laughs) but thank you for the call ridley and thank you for bringing your channel back up because it's a really interesting and entertaining channel he has just no fear he goes up to people and asks them tough questions, and it's hilarious the way that they respond and try to get out of it. Had you seen his stuff before you moved to New Hampshire? No, you showed it to me. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, there's a yeah lot. I hadn't seen anything until Matt um, showed me. But I think Matt told me a story, and I maybe shouldn't even say this on the air because I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> I think, if I'm re- recalling correctly, Matt told me that when he was in New York before he moved, mm-hmm. that Dave Ridley was one of the first people that he found online mm-hmm that really inspired him to move to New Hampshire and to even like learn about what kind of activism was going on out here. I believe it. So I, I think that is, if I'm recalling correctly, that is a, a true story. Maybe we'll have Matt on soon. It's not can, just him. It's um, been countless yeah, heard, people. Yeah. Lots of people say that, that Dave Ridley is the thing they found online that they were like, whoa, something's going on out there. And then and they found huge. out about the Free State Project. Yeah. There. yeah. I mean, I think Matt's great. I'm so glad that, uh, <laughs> he's, that he's here. Yeah. I'm so glad <laughs> that he's here. So thanks, Dave. I mean, you basically, uh, right. you well, know, didn't he influence you to move here? <laughs> Um, I, well, I mean, I'd already... Or was it Russell Canning? Uh, so I was already a Free State Project um, signer. I mean, I signed but up for the Free State Project. They're and, the ones that made you want it to be New Hampshire? No, no. Um, no, uh, New Hampshire was chosen in 2003. Dave hadn't moved here at, at that point. I guess I'm thinking of Russell Canning being here is what made you choose Keene. Yeah, Russell and Dave were living in the Keene area at the time, and they were doing the really exciting activism here. I don't know if Ridley had started Ridley Report at that point, though. Wow. Um, but else? there was someone else who was here making videos of what was happening. Dave was just always sort of uh, a visible participant in the Free State Project. Back when there were forums, the Free State Project used to have its own forum with for you know, kids these days, you don't know what forums are because all we have now is social media. But it was a place where people could go and post mm-hmm. messages exclusively about the Free State Project and like where we were going to move and all that stuff. And Dave was heavy on that forum. He was a very uh, major participant of it. Hey, Daily Digestion listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy. So I produced the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. We have Chuck in Washington. Uh, You're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind, Chuck? 
Yeah, hello. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I really appreciate. Uh, I found a new appreciation for this show after listening to the other people on uh, Free Talk Live. I don't mean to be rude, but uh, that's just uh, the way it is. It's uh, different. It's totally different. You know. Well, here here's the thing about one of your callers about uh, earlier in the hour. He's very concerned about. Uh, children and uh you know the impressionable minds and uh, the, the government has influence over your kids well i i'm i'm not entirely convinced that that's accurate okay because we have time and time again government failing people just like they do in hawaii and then paradise california and soon to be in a town near you where it's just going to make People sit there and question the government and the quasi-government agencies that have rule over your life and uh, have uh, uh, control over the utilities. As soon as they start to fail and uh, people's lives get turned upside down, they start to question the government. They start mm -hmm. to look at the government in, in a different way. And um, so I, I, I don't think that uh, we have to worry too much about this idea of uh every kid is a socialist or turning into a socialist or um in fact i think it's just the opposite they see how crazy these two parties have become the democrats and the republicans that uh and uh it forces people that's not me that doesn't represent who i am i'm not mm -hmm. going to stand up for a criminal and i'm not going to stand up for socialist authoritarianism that wants to take uh my guns away and uh wants to do this and, and that and so well the numbers on the business insider poll back up what you're saying yeah. where the the majority of respondents uh between the ages of 13 and 21 and this was in 2019 uh did not identify with either the republican or democrats i've got to agree that first of all worrying doesn't help so just sitting around worrying oh the government's got everyone's kids there's this huge army i, I think that right-wing media likes to put that fear out there to people like oh look at all these everyone's a left winger now yeah. and they, they, they put people into boxes and um label them like they act like every lgbt person is a serious left winger and it's more just like people in inner cities in california i think there's a bigger difference between people in cities and people not in cities than there is just in like even generation differences um, I, I, I think that most people look at these people on TV claiming to be the government, these goons and parasites, and say, those people don't represent me and don't fall into one or other side of the cult. So, yeah, yeah I appreciate that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct, Bonnie, especially with the like country people versus city people. Because even just thinking about it, I mean, the way people live in a city versus the way someone that lives... Um, you know, where their nearest hospital, for example, is like four hours away, like they're really out there in the middle of nowhere. Those people, those two groups of people are living life completely differently. Mm -hmm. um, so to yeah. expect those people to kind of believe the same things, to act the same way or to even have the same needs. I mean, their needs and their wants are completely different. Um, and I and I do think it is important to kind of like value the differences of individuals within our country. And I think, you know, the, the political parties don't represent the majority of people. They really yeah, don't. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I, I feel I see the same thing. We still have this story we were getting into from Al Jazeera about the border crisis. And it's not just Mexicans down there being held in cages. Apparently, it's also also Afghanistan people or Afghan people from Af Afghanistan um, ever since, you know, the United States was there for 20 years, destroying their country and bombing them. Apparently that caused a lot of issues over there. And um, a lot of people had to flee to escape the risk of prison and torture, apparently. But a man being called A tells his story here. It says, A has spent the last six months in a detention center stuck in a limbo that awaits many Afghan asylum seekers arriving at the U.S.-Mexico border after the Taliban takeover of their country. So after the United States left, Taliban took over because, well, the United States left them a whole bunch of tanks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. 
With limited options for legal immigration, thousands of Afghans like A have resorted to desperate measures, embarking on dangerous trips to enter the country irregularly. And like A, many have found themselves swept up in the U.S. immigration detention system, faced with possible expulsion. Wonder where they will send them, like back to. You would go back to Afghanistan and then probably face certain death. Like if you're trying to leave because the Taliban's after you and your family, and yeah. then you're forced back onto I don't know if it was a ship or a plane or whatever, and you have to go back there, you're gonna have a tough time. And I think a lot of these conservative people that are like, oh, you know, they're just coming here to steal our jobs and whatever. <laughs> I think they don't realize what it takes to flee your home country and try to come to America. Like it is no easy feat. These people aren't coming here. For free handouts and whatever. Mm -hmm. Typically, you know, they're either coming from Mexico or another country because they were in a dangerous situation that made it important enough for them to, you know, embark on kind of a dangerous road and a dangerous journey to to try to better their lives or or save their lives. So I've never met someone who came here from Mexico and is on welfare. I've only met like white Americans who are on welfare, but me too. Um, Layla Ayub, a lawyer with the U.S.-based Afghan and immigrant rights group project ANAR, who is representing A, says, Nobody would take these risks unless they had to. It is 100% related to the fact that there are no accessible pathways to the U.S. Mm-hmm. I, found, true. I saw something so interesting recently, and I wish I knew where I found it, that is a project where people are going to be able to see how, how hard it is to become a United States citizen. Um, I wish I remembered any details about what I'm talking about. but I think it's rather difficult. I, I know I, I've heard stories about the test that they'll have you take. Like if you're not, some people can get married and, you know, do it that way. But if you're trying to take the citizen test, it is so difficult. It's just a lot of like history. nonsense U.S. history like that pe- no one knows, right? Uh, or honestly, that doesn't even really matter and allegedly, like most American people that are, you know, educated in the public school system would fail it yep. horribly. So did I it- say easy or did I say hard? I think you said difficult, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the, the, the point of that is to make people figure out how difficult it is because a lot of people are just completely ignorant to that. People don't even know you have to take a test. Some people don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and people just think, oh, well, if you don't like it, wherever you are, you can move somewhere else. Well, a lot of times it's not just as simple as that um a and his wife have strong ties to the u.s both worked with the u.s backed government in afghanistan in areas like security and human rights and that makes sense that they would be a target it's kind of messed up that the united states didn't take more people like them take them to the united states after making them targets in afghanistan yeah that's really terrible But that history made them and others a target for potential reprisals under the Taliban, which swept into Kabul in August 2021 after the U.S. withdrawal. Previously, the U.S. had toppled the Taliban government when it invaded Afghanistan in 2001, and it continued to fight the group during its two-decade occupation. When the Taliban returned to power, A and his wife felt vulnerable. They sold their possessions and left, with the U.S.-Mexico border as their destination. There's a man calling himself A who credits his stay in one of these um, camps with worsening his respiratory issues and high blood pressure. Oh, I believe it. He also recalled the humiliation he felt being shackled for three days as he was transferred from one facility to another, which Mm -hmm. sounds like prison to me. Yeah. I mean, that's how prisoners are generally, you know, treated. And people shouldn't be punished at all or put into a prison at all unless they've already been proven to have committed a crime right and they're not even accusing this guy of a crime he's just someone who's seeking asylum and you know that is the political status that people who are being persecuted in their home countries can seek in other places so for instance edward snowden has sought asylum in russia because the government thugs in the united states have been attempting to prosecute him and put him in prison for the rest of his life. Luckily, he was able to escape 
from their clutches into Russia, which is by no means a free place. But it is at the very least a place in which he's not going to likely go to prison for the rest of his life for telling the truth about what the government was doing. So I'm not saying that A is at the same level as an Edward Snowden, but we don't know because he's not telling, you know, he's not saying what secrets he has. If he's returned to Afghanistan after all this, he sure as hell doesn't want them to know what it is that he might be leaving the country for. I mean, he already doesn't want to go back. But imagine how you would feel. And we've talked about before on this show this sort of mythology of the united states that exists in in africa for instance we've had african callers who truly believe still to this day that the united states is this sort of bastion of freedom is this free place where if you can just make it there you'll have a chance to build wealth and a future for your family and live in relative freedom and while it may be relatively free compared to the rest of the world it is not a free country and imagine how it would feel to have thought that this was the place that maybe maybe he heard stories from people uh, in the U.S. military while he was in Afghanistan about how great things are in the United States yeah. or whatever, wherever the propaganda came from. It comes, it does affect these people. And he comes here thinking, well, this has been absolute hell trying to get here. I left a very dangerous place. I went through a very dangerous time to cross through South and North America or Central America to get here and then to be rewarded for your efforts by being thrown into a prison cell with a hundred other people and kept for months upon months now without any kind of movement whatsoever, how much would you really still want to get into this place? Yeah, it's a good good It makes you wonder, like, are we worsening the quality of people that are coming here? I know that sounds uh, kind of bad of me to say, but are are the people coming in going to be less likely to like Americans after being treated this way? He said the guards were cussing at them. Of course they were. In a room where there was no room to stand. The guards are scum. I mean, these are people who are the worst of the worst. And they're welcoming others into the united states and they're the ones you know yeah welcome huh? i'm all i'm saying is they're the ones greeting they're the per- front lines exactly yeah. Yeah. when they first arrive here he says the americans worked with us we thought they respected us mm. now this is the situation i'm in yeah that's that's disappointing for sure i mean you know it'd be nice if we had like hula dancing ladies like in hawaii coming up and putting yeah, a lay, lay. Yeah. on you or something like welcome to america no yeah. instead it's some fries. uh some humorless fat border guards or whatever mr skinhead or whatever you want to call them yeah. or mr buzz cuts uh that are you know throwing you in a prison cell and then insulting you because you can't speak english correctly uh or calling you names because your skin is brown or whatever you know dehumanizing nonsense that they're uh they're subjecting these people to yeah and i think it speaks volumes that when he was you know a benefit to you know the united states then it's like oh yeah he was treated good then mm-hmm, sure because no, it seems like it was a big shock to him he's yep. like well i thought we were friends i thought we were cool you know i thought i'd be welcomed in the united states for my service to the military what in whatever capacity mm. that he did so he was treated one way when they could exploit him yep but the second he's here and he's seen as more of a burden then you know you're going to get treated like crap and you know abused and borderline tortured but that's the thing he didn't say he was here to collect welfare no he didn't so i mean people see immigrants as a burden but they are being just propagandized because the bulk of these people who want to just come here are just looking for a better life for themselves they you talk to people who work with uh, with migrants they'll tell you they're the hardest working people out there absolutely they will work circles around native-born americans as far as their work ethic is concerned you know, this guy sounds like somebody who just wants to take care of his family and not be murdered. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, is that really too much to ask for? The burden I mean, is actually the U.S. government. The burden yeah. is their their government bureaucracy and their welfare programs and their, uh, their government enforcement bureaus, like the Bureau of Prisons or, in this case, the Border Patrol. These are the, this is the burden. The U.S. military, that's a trillion-dollar burden uh, right there. The central bank right now is, by the way, I believe coming close to collecting a trillion dollars in interest 
in a year's time, they are close to that, meaning that when people when you pay income taxes to the federal government, that money is not going to pay for government programs. It's going to pay the interest on the national debt, the interest on the money that the federal government gets as a loan, essentially, from the Federal Reserve, the central bank. So it gets keeps going higher and higher and higher. And what have they been doing for the last year? Raising interest rates. Mm-hmm. So we're at like record levels of just simply interest being paid to these bankers. So you want to talk about burdens. The burdens are not from the people who are coming here to try to make a better life for themselves. They're the reason why this country is great. If there is any greatness left in the United States, it's because of the freedom, the relative freedom we had that was built by the people who came here from all over the world. We also have another story coming from Kansas. Oh, Ian, do you have that? Yeah, I've got that story, sure. Um, Yeah, it's Kansas, right? Uh, Yeah, I think so. The captain had brought up and... Kansas, yeah. Marion, Kansas. It's a small town of 1,900 people. Okay, so captain brought this up on Sunday but never got to get into it. There's a newspaper there, I guess a local newspaper. Must be small if it's in the Mm -hmm. small area. And they had the cops come and raid their facilities and take everything. What happened to you? How much of this did you guys cover on Sunday? We didn't get into it at all. Oh, okay. So he just mentioned it. Mentioned it. Yeah. So um, it's been long enough now that this is a story that has developed since it first came out. And it has developed in a somewhat positive manner. But uh, according to KAKE.com, ABC affiliate in wherever the hell this is, Kansas probably, uh, in a story by uh, the Kansas Reflector. In an unprecedented raid on Friday, local law enforcement seized computers, cell phones, and reporting materials from the Marion County Record Office, which is the name of the small newspaper, according to the newspaper's reporters. um, I'm sorry. And they also raided the reporters and the publishers' homes. Eric Myers, the owner and publisher of the newspaper, said police were motivated by a confidential source who leaked sensitive documents to the paper, and the message was clear, quote, mind your own business or we're going to step on you. Hmm. The city's entire five-officer police force and two sheriff's deputies took, quote, everything we have, said Meyer, and it wasn't clear how the staff would take the weekly publication to press on Tuesday night. The raid followed news stories about a restaurant owner who kicked reporters out of a meeting last week with a U.S. representative and revelations about that owner's lack of a driver's license and conviction for drunk driving. So it sounds like they stepped on somebody's toes and the police decided to do something about it. But it gets even deeper than this because apparently the police chief was involved in some sexual misconduct, allegedly, that the paper was also uh, investigating at that time. Meyer said he'd never heard of police raiding a newspaper office during his 20 years at the Milwaukee Journal or 26 years teaching journalism at the University of Illinois. He said it's going to have a chilling effect on us even tackling issues as well as a chilling effect on people giving us information, which of yeah. course was the absolutely the intention of this particular raid. They well, if they took everything, I mean... It's going to have a chilling effect on their ability to get anything out of That's again. right. That's what they were saying. A search warrant signed by Marion County District Court Magistrate Judge Laura Viar appears to violate federal law that provides protections against searching and seizing materials from journalists. The, oh. law, the law requires law enforcement to subpoena materials instead. Hmm. Viar, the judge, did not respond to a request to comment for the story or explain why she would authorize a potentially illegal raid. Hmm. It's not like she's going to actually have to pay any kind of Yeah, exactly. Price yep. Really what happened was, was, you know, she's in the club, so the you know, she's friends with the cops. And he's like, "Hey, you know what? Can't let it get out that I'm a sex offender." The attack on a newspaper office through an illegal search is not just an infringement on the rights of journalists, but an assault on the very foundation of democracy. According to Emily Bradbury, the executive director of the Kansas Press Association, they then get into some more of the background on the story. Officers told him, uh, the publisher, uh, that the computers, cell phones, and other devices would be sent to a lab. He says, I don't know when they'll get it back to us. They won't tell us. 
The seized computers and uh, information contained include advertisements and legal notices that were supposed to appear in the next edition of the newspaper. The publisher said, I don't know what we're going to do. We'll publish something. Uh, He wrote Friday under... Sorry, this is a different uh, person. So I'm going to jump ahead. Uh, So this is the initial story about the raid. Then, over the weekend, more information came out uh, from the New York Post that the police chief was being investigated, apparently, over sex-related claims, which presumably the newspaper was reporting on, Mm -hmm. and that might have upset the police chief enough to actually go ahead and conduct a what is described as a Gestapo-style raid. Uh, Gideon Cody and every officer in the uh, Marion Police Department, again, town of 1,900 people. Uh, Gideon Cody. It just sounds like such a, like... I don't know, somebody that would live in the town of where deliverance happened. <laughs> and uh, every, that was Georgia, by the way. Hmm. Uh, and every op, but there's, you know, rednecks everywhere. Hmm. But uh, they all stormed into the Marion County Records offices with a search warrant and seized computers and servers. This story gets much worse here. They also raided the home of the editor and publisher Eric Meyer and his 98 year old mother, wow. Joan. In the middle of the who night? Then. I don't know if it was in the middle of the night, but then she died the next day of shock and grief. There's another update on this, and that is that the uh, prosecution in this little town or the county or wherever it was has said they do not believe that this was a legitimate confiscation of property and they have wow. asked the judge to order wow. all of the property returned wow but i want to go into a little more details on the background of what it was that ostensibly was going on here so according to the new york post again this old lady passed away uh the next day the marion county record it's a weekly paper it served the rural communities of marion county which has eleven thousand people the town itself is just under two thousand and until now, had never been at the center of a national battle over freedom of the press. But as First Amendment advocates spoke out against the raid, it emerged the paper had been investigating Chief Gideon Cody of the Marion Police Department, who previously worked for the Kansas City Police Department. So moved yeah, from he's the big around. city into a small town uh, police chief role. He's 54 years old. They were investigating him after receiving an outpouring of calls claiming that Cody had retired from his last police post to avoid demotion over sexual misconduct allegations. Cody joined the Marion County Police Department in late April after retiring as a captain in Kansas City, where he was for 24 years. Meyer told the handbasket substack that his outlet had been contacted by Cody's former colleagues about the claims of sexual misconduct but that his six plus, the six-plus anonymous sources ultimately never went on the record and reporters could not obtain Cody's personnel file. So it sounds like people who worked with this man had reached out to the newspaper and said, this guy is corrupt, here's what he was doing, but because they're cowardly cops and they don't want Cody to, oh, I don't know, come after them in some way, shape, or form— they would not go on the record. They would not specify who they were and why they knew what they knew. So it was just allegations at this point. The explosive claims, as well as the identities of the people who made them, were contained on one of the computers seized during the raid on the newspaper's office, according oh to Meyer. Imagine being so gross that you would even just be one of these other cops that isn't getting hoodie yeah. and agreed to come do this. Like, yep, we'll get the computer and erase that for you, sir. Oh, I think he wants to know who they are. Oh, 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 I think oh, he I wants to it. find out who's been talking about him. Yeah. That's really probably. dangerous. But I, yeah, I agree with what Bonnie's saying, where it's like, imagine kind of going along with this like i'm sure if he's the police chief like they can't really it was every single officer yep yeah all five of them oh but they're they're just doing their job i mean they're just following orders yeah i mean the right thing to do would have been to say that sounds illegal no (laughs) yeah i'm not going to participate in that uh this was the publisher saying i may be paranoid that this has anything to do with it but when people come and seize your computer you tend to be a little paranoid he said and he's absolutely right (laughs) 
The Kansas Police Department told The Post it could not discuss whether Cody had been investigated during his tenure on the force, citing the state's sunshine law, which sounds like a strange name for a law that would allow them to not talk about something that went on with their personnel. Mm. Uh, normally you name a thing the sunshine law when it is opening files for yeah. examination. Shines light and, on yeah. truth. Uh, this is the stuff that, you know, Vladimir Putin does, that third world dictators do, said Meyer, who is 69 years old. He said this is Gestapo tactics from World War II. A search warrant for the raid says it was issued over an allegation of identity theft by its reporters. So the police are saying the reason for the raid is a local restaurateur named Carrie Newell, who apparently there was a claim made after someone sent the paper and a member of the local council documents that showed she had had a DUI, which would make it illegal for her to have a liquor license. Newell also threw the Marion County Records reporters out of a public meeting held by a local congressman, which was attended by the police chief, and used a city council meeting to accuse the paper of illegally obtaining her DUI records. Wait, she kept them out of a public meeting of Apparently. The, the town? Wow. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was like a town meeting or if it was just like at her restaurant. It's not clear where oh. the meeting was taking place. Uh, but she did admit that she had a drunken driving record. The paper never published her DUI details, and the publisher had denied acting illegally, claiming he believed they'd been sent to the paper's reporter, Deb Groover, because of a legal sparring between Newell and her ex-husband. During the raid, Cody seized Groover's cell phone from her hand, injuring a finger as she that she had previously dislocated. Quote, we didn't publish it because we couldn't nail it down to the point that we thought it was ready for publication, he said. Cody didn't know who our sources were. He does now. Cody, mm. the police chief, declined to respond to inquiries on Monday whether allegations of sexual misconduct were filed against him while working at Kansas City Police and referred the post to the Kansas Bureau of Investigation. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more. All for free at freetalklive.com.